1: Crawling boisterously across a rawhide, tough frontier is a little town at Dos Rios. Not much of a town, to be sure. A few stores, a church, start of what someday will be a school, nine saloons, and one so-called lawyer. The lawyer's name is Chad Remington. Well, that's me. Of course, there's not enough law business in the whole county to keep me busy, but I do own a ranch left to me by my dad when he died. Naturally, there wouldn't be a lawyer in Dos Rios if we didn't have a court. And with the court, it goes without saying, we have a judge. Judge Fillmore, whose daughter Libby happens to be a most special favorite of mine. Well, with the lack of law business one day not so long ago, the judge and I decided to see what we could do about getting ourselves some wild turkeys. So we saddled up a couple of my horses, took two of my best rifles, and started scouting.
2: Nice shooting,
1: Chad. You got yourself two gobblers. You would call that nice shooting, Judge. Shot four times and only got two birds. And <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what a fella gets for spending too much time practicing law and not enough time practicing with a Winchester.
2: <laughs> two out of four. Well, if you can keep as good an average hitting the bullseye for your clients, they should have no complaints. Clients? I haven't seen one in a month. <laughs> you don't mind my representing you, Chad. Never admit to a man who might be your future father-in-law that you can't keep his daughter in the style to which she hopes to become accustomed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's good advice, Judge, and I'll be happy to pay your fee if my future father-in-law gives his consent someday. <laughs> yeah, i better be picking up those two toms before the buzzards get to... Ah, who's this coming? I see someone coming, all right, but without my glasses... Well, it's no wonder you only bagged one turkey. That's Tim Brackett. You know, the young puncher who works over at the J. Lazy L. Oh, yeah. Hey, Tim.
3: Howdy, Chad. Judge. Well, hi. Right. Tim. Riding all over Patty's Half Acre looking for you. Cherokee told me you're probably out here on a turkey hunt. You looking for us? Well, I guess either one of you alone would have been all right. Got a legal question I'd like answered.
1: Well, see, Judge, business is
2: picking up. What's on your mind, son?
3: Well, it's just... Just something up. Well, I made a bet with a fella.
2: No one can legally force you to pay a bet, Tim.
3: No, that isn't what I mean, Judge. Let's suppose a fella, some fella, borrowed $10,000 on his ranch.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Some fella, huh?
3: Yeah. Yeah, some fella. Well, suppose this fella paid all of it but $2,000... and then couldn't pay the $2,000 right off. Could the man with the mortgage take the ranch away from him?
2: It might sound inequitable, but legally... until every last cent is paid, interest and all the lender can foreclose and take possession of the property.
3: That's a fine thing. Lose your bet? Yeah, sure did lose my bet.
1: Well, if you didn't bet your month's wages, there's no reason to commit suicide. Look,
3: I just hate myself for doing this, but could one of you lend me a little money?
2: Well, I don't know. Uh, How much money is a little money, Tim?
3: Oh, $20, $25.
2: As long as you're going to have to owe somebody, why not owe the man you lost the bet to?
3: Well, it's not for him. It's for my
2: sister. For your sister, huh? I never heard you talk about a sister before. matter of fact, neither did I.
3: You mean you ain't gonna let me have it?
2: Not at all. If you give me a word that what
1: you need the money for is strictly legitimate, I I guess I can scrape it up.
3: Chad, word of honor. I need $25 to help out my sister.
1: That's good enough for me, Tim. Here you are. Don't go losing it riding
3: back to town. You bet. See? I'll wrap it up and put it right here in this buckskin pouch in my pocket.
1: Good. And don't forget, there's no particular hurry about paying it back.
3: Hey, uh... I'm sure not much at speech-making, but... Thanks, Chad. Thanks from the bottom of my heart. Get up there, boy. Let's go. Hey, boy.
2: Chad, do you think you should have given that boy the money without finding out exactly what he needed it for? Well,
1: he said he needed it for his sister, and it certainly was good enough for... Hey, wait a minute. He must have dropped something when he pulled out that pouch. You see it there?
2: What is it, Chad? What is that piece of paper?
1: This piece of paper is a letter. From the return address on the envelope, a boy has got a sister. Lives over in the next county in Dry
2: Wells. Well, I'll be done. I didn't believe that story about his sister being in trouble, but apparently it's true. You think maybe under the circumstances that we ought to open that letter and see what the trouble is? Well, if the girl's in real trouble,
1: certainly $25 isn't going to cure it. All right, Judge, what do you say we read the letter
2: and find out? Certainly. If she needs more money, maybe we can do something to be of real help. Yeah, here goes.
1: Hmm. Fine lot of good that 25 can do his sister.
2: And it was his sister he was talking about, Chad?
1: Yep. When her father was alive, he borrowed 10000 on their ranch. It's paid down to 2000 now, and she can't meet that. Hmm. Judge, I, I've got a notion we better hightail it over to the J. Lazy L. and find Tim. The rest of this story may be interesting. Very interesting. <laughs> Nobody at the J. Lazy L knew where Tim was. He'd taken the day off. So the judge and I headed back toward town. When we got to Dos Rios, the judge went home. I went up to the offices I keep, located over Cherokee O'Bannon's livery stable. Cherokee, not only my landlord and sidekick, but also a former medicine man, was gnashing his teeth over my letting $25 slip through my fingers so easily.
4: Of all the impoverished, impecunious, imbecility... You take the cake, Chad. Well,
1: I've got a sweet tooth. I like cake.
4: Well, if you would direct your elemonicere instincts in the proper direction, one-fifth of that amount would have set them up for everybody down at my favorite hostelry, the Lady Luck Bar and
1: Grill. Instead of ranting that way, Cherokee, and worrying about your constantly unquenched thirst, you might give some thought to where we could find Tim.
4: First, you give him legal advice. Then, instead of charging him it, you...
1: What did you stop for, Cherokee? Well... What are you staring at out the window?
4: Unless this is an optical illusion. The most ravishing and pultritudinous bit of femininity is about to come up the stairs to visit you, you you bucolic blackstone. Absolutely stunning, Chad. What an eye. What a girl.
1: Uh, come in.
5: Which one of you gentlemen is Mr. Remington?
1: Why, I am. Cherokee, get the young lady a chair. Just what I was about to do.
4: Here, won't you please sit down?
5: Thanks. Thanks so much. Mr. Remington, my name is Emily Brackett.
4: Brackett? Well, like I always say, it's a small world after all. We were just talking about another Brackett. A young cowboy over here, Tim Brackett. A fine, upstanding lad. Tim's my brother. Well,
1: it is a small world, isn't it?
5: They told me out at the J. Lazy L that you'd been out there a while ago looking for Tim, and I thought you might know where I could find him.
1: At the moment, I don't, Miss Brackett. But while you're here, I have a confession to make. Yes, I read a letter you wrote to Tim about, well, about the money owing on your ranch.
5: Well, he probably showed it to you because he wanted some legal advice.
1: Well, that wasn't actually the reason. But now that I think about it, I have an idea your brother's headed for something which might bring a bit of trouble. Trouble? Uh, Cherokee, you're a man of the world.
4: Indeed I am, my boy.
1: Pride myself on it. If you needed $2,000 and didn't know how to raise it and... Providing, of course, someone would lend you $25,
4: what would you do with the money you'd borrowed? Well, since it wouldn't take $25 to drown my sorrows, I might be inclined to risk it in a game of stud poker to see if I could run a double eagle up into some of the long green folding type money.
5: You mean that my brother borrowed $25 to gamble?
4: I
1: don't mean anything yet, Miss Emily. But if you'll sit right here, there are only nine places in town where he could gamble. And Cherokee and I are going out and see if we can find that young man.
6: Staying in the pot, Tim? You're blame right I am, Duke. Staying in and raising you another 20. Hey, you must have another king in the hole, huh? What do you mean by that, Duke? What do you mean? What do I mean? Anybody with the card showing that you have and betting the way you are must have a king buried.
3: I always kind of suspected you could read the backs of the cards, Duke. Are you insinuating that I'm running a crooked game? I ain't insinuating I'm saying so. How else could you know I got a king in a hole?
6: Tim, I've been operating in Dos Rios for six years now. No one's ever talked to me that way before. So I'm asking you to pick up your money and get out. Who are you trying to bluff? I'm not bluffing, Tim. I'm telling you to clear out of the game.
3: Yeah? Well, if I leave the game, I'm taking the pot with me. In a square game, I'd have won it. Duke, take your hands off that money.
6: Tim, don't act loco. You go reaching for your gun and... Ah! suffer <laughs> Sapper, That loco
1: getting a drill. here. Yeah, let me zoom here, will
4: you? Excuse me. Right, get back
1: here. Come on. Duke. Who plugged Tim?
6: I did, Chad.
4: Hey, you low down, double down. Now, nine, just a minute
6: before you both go shooting off your mouths. Why don't you ask someone who was here what happened?
4: It was Tim's fault,
2: Chad. He called Duke a cheat and a liar and then went for his guy. And that's
6: gospel. I tried to stop him, but when he threw down on me, there was only one thing I could do. I guess I did it.
1: Yeah, I guess you did. All right, some of you men pick Tim up and take him over to the... to the undertaker's...
5: gotten there just a little earlier.
2: Believe me, Miss Brackett, you've got to try to get hold of yourself. Unfortunately, all the grief in the world isn't going to bring your brother back. You just
4: say the word, miss, and I'll fill that thieving gambler so full of lead that he'll bust right through the floor and bury himself right there.
1: You can save yourself all that trouble, Cherokee. Because After I've had a chance to talk to a few men who were in there and I find out what actually happened, I may take care of Duke. I'll give him a chance to take care of me.
5: Oh, no. You've done all you should already. Don't go back down there.
1: I've got to, Miss Emily. That's got to be finished before we worry about your ranch. If there's anything I can do, you're not going to lose your place to a money-grubbing loan shark for 20 cents on the dollar.
0: We'll return to the exciting second act of our frontier town adventure in just about one minute. And now, Frontier Town.
1: From all I've noticed, death, sudden and brutal death, is as shocking in a frontier town as any place else in the country. But somehow on the frontier, folks seem better able to pull themselves together and go on with the things that have to be done. And so it was that Emily Brackett, over her first shock at her brother Tim's killing, had regained some of her composure and was able to answer a few questions.
5: Well, that's about all there is to it, Chad. Everybody around our part of the country had always borrowed from old Sam Tennyson and never had any trouble. It wasn't until Mr. Tennyson died that the man who took over all of his loans began to foreclose and wholesale lots.
2: When you say, took over all his loans, what do you mean by that?
5: I mean, it, well, I don't know exactly, but this Mr. Sturges bought the mortgages from Sam Tennyson's estate, I guess.
2: Eh, uh, sounds crooked to me. Estate? Did Tennyson have any heirs? Sons or daughters?
5: He had a son, but he died a few weeks later in an accident. A, a bridge he was riding over collapsed.
1: Convenient, wasn't it? For Sturgis, I mean. What? Uh, how many ranches has Sturgis foreclosed on already?
5: Oh, goodness, I don't know, but I guess there isn't a part of the valley he doesn't own some acreage in.
1: Well, I think we've imposed on you enough, Miss Emily. Right now, we still have a little unfinished business to take care of. Business with Duke Rafferty. Leaving the Judge Libby and Cherokee to take care of Emily Brackett, I started out to see that Duke Rafferty, the gambler, paid for the wanton killing of Tim Brackett. So, like any lawyer, I began asking questions to get the proof which would support my case. When I'd asked about half a dozen people who'd been in the so-called cafe, I wasted little time going over and paying a call on Mr. Rafferty in person.
6: What do you want to see me about, Remington?
1: You'll find out, Duke. You
6: gotta stick your nose in everybody's business, huh?
1: At the moment, all I'd like to do is see you alone. Yeah, you lawyers. Come on.
6: Let's go into my private office. Thanks. Okay. Now what do you want?
1: Duke, I've made it my business to talk to half a dozen men who witnessed Tim's killing. But it didn't take long to learn that Tim threatened you, and even though you tried to stop him, it was the kid who cleared his holster first. (laughs)
6: Well, you had me worried for a minute. You know, you got a reputation and a pair of eyes that throw a cold chill into a man. Well, you can relax.
1: Now, they they tell me Tim Brackett accused you of using a marked deck.
6: I think you know better than that, Chad.
1: Check. Now, how about doing me a favor?
6: Name your own game, Chad.
1: Running a place like this, I imagine you've met a lot of the fly-by-night gents in this part of the country. I was wondering if you could give me a line on the character over in Dry Wells in the next county, a big money man by the name of Sturgis. K.C. Sturgis? Well, K.C.? I don't know. All I know is uh, the name Sturgis. What does K.C. mean?
6: Well, if it is the same maverick, I know the K.C.'s a nickname, stands for Kansas City. That's where he came from originally, before he started to work the small towns along the Pecos, the mining camps through Colorado. Worked the mining camps, eh? Hey? Well, what is he, a gambler? Well, he gambles, but he doesn't make his living at it. What
1: does he do to make a living?
6: Casey? <laughs> does anything and anybody. All he is, Chad's a confidence man.
1: Confidence man, is he? That's very interesting,
6: Duke. How in the name of Hannah did you ever get mixed up with a gent like that?
1: I'm not mixed up with him yet. But now that you give me this little rundown on him, I got a notion it won't be very long before I am mixed up with him. Plenty. <laughs>
4: Great Gilded Glory, Chad. What conceivable difference can it make if Sturgis is a confidence man? It
1: may make the difference between being able to save Miss Emily's ranch or having Sturgis take it over for the few thousand dollars still owing on it.
2: Chad, as far as I'm concerned, you haven't answered Cherokee's question.
1: Uh, I guess you're right, Judge. But if Cherokee is willing to ride over to Dry Wells with us and indulge in a little acting, I've got what might be a bright idea.
5: Now I'm more confused. Confidence man it
1: well all right then <laughs> here it is in a nutshell if mr casey sturgis is a confidence man and if you introduce cherokee to him as your wealthy uncle from the east who's come out to visit you i think sturgis will forego your ranch temporarily and make a play for the larger stakes
4: chad i'm afraid you'd make an unsuccessful impresario. me a multi-millionaire why even with my astounding amount of histronic ability i'm afraid that's a characterization at this late date too far beyond my impecunious experience.
2: (laughs) Cherokee, with a little expert coaching, we'll have you lighting your cigars with $20 bills. And I must say, Chad, although your proposal is slightly extra legal, it sounds as if it might work on a confidence man. (laughs) Well, there's an old saying, judge takes a crook to catch a crook. (laughs) Sir, am I to infer that
1: you're branding me a crook? Oh, not on your life, Cherokee. I convict no man till he's proven guilty. Why, until I see you in action in Dry Wells, I'm not even calling you an actor. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we got to Dry Wells the next day and moved bag and baggage into the spare room in Emily Brackett's little ranch house. Then she sent word to Sturgis that she wanted to see him. When we saw Sturgis arriving, I suddenly remembered something I hadn't thought of before.
5: That's Sturgis. Just riding in through the gate now, Chad. Oh,
1: good. Then in that case, the judge and I had better go into the kitchen while Cherokee demonstrates his histrionic ab- Oh, good God. So one thing we hadn't thought of. What's that, Chad? Cherokee's name. Emily can't introduce him to Sturgis as her uncle Cherokee. But What is your right name, Cherokee? My, uh, my... Uh, come on, come on.
2: Sturgis uh, is almost on the porch now. Surely your parents gave you a name when you were born.
4: Yeah, uh, yes, they did. And I still hate my revered pater for it. My name, my cognomen... My handle is Aloysius.
5: So you see, Mr. Sturgis, when Uncle Al got my letter asking for the $2,000 I still owe you, he simply packed up and came right out here.
7: It was $2,000, but it's more than that now with the interest and default charges. My good fellow, what difference can that
4: make? What difference can a few thousand make one way or another? No nephew... I mean, whatever a she-male nephew is called. Niece, uh, I'm your niece. Thank you, Emily. No relative of mine is going to lose a ranch for a few paltry dollars. When I've got so much, I've got to keep it in three banks.
7: Uh, In three banks?
4: Three banks and a private vault. What? Well, having been in the furniture business all my life, nose to the grindstone and all that, it's always been my dream to come out west. Out west for bitter men and gold is where you find it. Well,
7: I've known people before to come out from the east looking for gold and lose everything they had, but... Mr.
4: Sturgis, if you're meaning to discourage me, you're not succeeding. Because if I can find a suitable piece of gold-bearing land... I'm prepared to pay upwards of $50,000 for it. Oh, Uncle, really? you should sure? To... Now,
7: just a minute, Miss Brackett. Your uncle's a successful businessman. I'm sure he knows what he's doing. And if you're real serious about wanting a piece of gold-bearing property, sir, I know of one that's got a fortune on it. And I wouldn't be at all surprised if I couldn't get it for, well, for a little more than the figure you have in mind.
4: I on figures. Take me to the property. And if I like it, I'll give you a draft on my bank. At least on one of them.
7: Well, look, I'd better check up on this land first and see if it's still available. And if it is, I'll show you the most valuable piece of gold-bearing property since the mother Lode was discovered.
1: Well, if it doesn't take a crook to catch a crook, it certainly took an actor to bait the trap to catch the crook that time. Sturgis practically ran for his horse and headed for town with the judge and myself trailing him cautiously. And there, after a while, we saw him come out of a mining claim office and head out toward the desert. About seven miles out of town, with nothing around but rocks, cactus, and Joshua trees, the judge and I saw Sturgis dismount, kneel down, and burrow under some of the rocks. We didn't wait for him to mount up again, but we circled the location and came back afterwards. Late that afternoon, we saw him again approaching the spot in the buckwood, carrying Emily and Cherokee with him.
7: Well, my boy, here's the problem. Here's where we get off. Well, this is certainly picturesque,
4: Sturges. But there's nothing here but desert.
7: That's the beauty of it. That's why you can pick it up for eighty or 90000 Why, nobody even thinks it's gold out here. And just to show you the fortune that's here, suppose you just stoop down and look under any of these rocks.
4: You think I should, Emily? Go on,
7: Al, go on. It won't bite you.
4: Well, all right. Well, there's nothing under this rock but a lot of
7: crawling worms. What? Let me see. Oh, that's funny. Let's look over here. There's surely a few nuggets under this rock.
5: There aren't even crawling worms under that
4: one. Mr. Sturgis, I have a feeling you brought me out here on a fool's errand.
5: Why, there's no more gold here than a... Oh, look, Uncle Al. Isn't this Chad coming?
7: Chad? Who is
5: he? He's a friend of my brother's over in Dos Rios. Looking for us, Chad?
0: Oh, fella. Roll it, yep. yep.
1: They told me it's your place you'd ridden out this way, so we trailed you. I'm glad to say I've got just about enough for you to pay off your loan.
5: Well, this is really a coincidence. This is Mr. Sturgis, the man who holds the mortgage.
1: Oh, howdy, Sturgis. Oh. I don't suppose you mind if I haven't got it in cash, but if you want to go back to town, the bank will give you money for these gold nuggets. Gold nuggets? Let me see them. Oh, sure. Here you are. Why, oh, you low-down crooked? you. Where'd you get these nuggets? What difference can that make? I told you the bank would take them. You double-dealing buzzard, you stole them. Stole them right from here. Oh, how come you know where I got
7: them? How do I know? Because I put them here my... By...
2: well. Well... You know because you put them here yourself. You salted this little piece of land and were ready to sell it as a gold mine. What? Trying to guilt me by cheap chicanery? That's nothing but a uh, but a lie. You can't prove that. Oh no, can we prove that, Judge, or can't we? In any court in the land. Because both of us saw this confidence man ride out here and plant the nuggets right before our eyes. Right, you double-cross and <laughs> sneak
4: Don't close both these eyes, Chad. Got and have yeah. one good one when he signs that relief. Yeah, don't worry, Cherokee. I'm only going to dot one eye and
1: one chin. And now, now, Mr. Sturgis, you can either get up yourself or I'll help you up. Because we're all going back to the Brackett Ranch where you'll sign a receipt for payment in full for the balance of that mortgage. What are you talking about? You just admitted those nuggets were mine? They were, but there's a law that
2: says finder's keepers. (laughs) And another law in anyone's courtroom which says a confidence man can be sentenced to from 15 to 20 years in jail.
1: Well, how about it, Sturgis? You coming back with us and signing that release? Uh,
7: All right, uh, all right. I know when I'm late. Give me a chance to get my breath with you.
4: Listen, you faker... I'm going to give you a better chance than you would have given me. It so happens that in my hip pocket, I have a bottle of my genuine Cherokee Indian rattlesnake oil. One mouthful of that for you and one for me, and we'll all be able to ride back... Now,
1: just a minute, Cherokee. We've agreed on the punishment for this crime, and we're not forcing Sturgis to drink that alcoholic loco juice of yours unless we catch him on ten counts of attempted murder.
4: Chad! That's the most unfair cut. You go on.
0: Frontier Town, starring Tex Chandler, is a Bruce Ells production. Supervision by Joel Murcott. Story and direction by Paul Franklin. Music written and played by Ivan Dittmar. Be sure to be with us again same time next week for another fine action-adventure story with your favorite young Western star, Tex Chandler. And now this is Bill Foreman telling you that Frontier Town came to you from Hollywood.